Welcome to Truly Wicked, a true crime podcast hosted by me, Lexi Garza. And today I'm going to be talking about something that I didn't know very much about until recently. Um, it was featured in a, of course, Netflix docuseries that I was watching. Um, I had never heard anything about it, so I was really interested in um, diving deep into this case and seeing uh, really how these people came to be. Because uh, definitely looking at the pictures of them on the docu-series definitely gave me Manson vibes. So I was very interested in that. Um, so I guess I'll just jump right in. Uh, this story is about Michael Bear Carson and Susan Carson. Uh, there is not a lot mentioned about either of them before, really before they met. Um, there's a little snippet about his first wife. Um, leaving him and that led to ultimately him meeting Susan Um, so there won't be a lot of backstory I wasn't able to find hardly anything on his first wife Um, but he was born James Clifford Carson um, so Michael Bear was not his real name he was born James Clifford Carson in 1850 and Susan Carson was born in 1941 she's quite a bit older than him Um, In 1977 is when his first wife started noticing odd behaviors and changes and things like that, Um, and she started to fear for herself and their daughter and decided to leave with her daughter. Um, 1978, he meets Susan Barnes. She's newly divorced and a mother of two teenage boys. Um, James and Susan married, unclear where or when or where, but apparently they were living in Arizona at the time and sold a townhouse that they lived in and decided to run off and start traveling around Europe. Um, and so with, this is when they did that and apparently some, some time in that time frame from selling their townhouse to um, a few years traveling around Europe, it, they were married at some point. Um, they sold their townhouse, as I said, and traveled around Europe and continued experimenting with various drugs. So when Mike, uh, when James Clifford Carson met Susan Barnes, um, she had two teenage boys and their, those boys and their friends, you know, seventies, um, were very, very involved with illicit drugs, and there was some, there was a few different sources that were saying that, um, they were getting their drugs from her sons and their friends. There was even some, um, articles that mentioned that she may have been sleeping with her son's friends and things like that. Just a really, really, um, sort of wild, uh, lifestyle, especially for the time. Um, During their travels, they experimented with LSD, mescaline, and peyote and started engaging in what has only been described as mysticism, uh, which hellhorror.com characterizes from this specific case as becoming one with God, but often results in a feeling of ecstasy or altered consciousness. Um, So maybe through... well, from what I've read, um, through, like, meditation and things like that, they feel as though, um, they can actually talk to God while also on these, um, illicit drugs. This is when he becomes Michael Bear. Uh, during one of their meditation sessions, Susan has a revelation that God came to her in her meditation and told her that his name is not James Clifford Carson, but Michael Bear Carson, and just decided that that was his name, and, 
Um, that's how it's going to be from now on. So that's, that's just how it was. And when God came to Susan and told her that his true name is Michael, as in like the archangel, like he was supposed to be a prophet. He was supposed to be like the one to do all this good and everything. Um, not sure about the bear part, but, um, I don't know. Susan said, God said, so I mean, you know, 1980, the Carsons returned. I'm so sorry. My children are monsters and they're screaming in the background so I'm very sorry <laughs> I have a I'm a mom of two toddlers so um I I sincerely apologize for any um craziness that you may hear in my background but I will definitely try to do my best to keep it to a minimum um so back to the story in 1980 when the Carsons returned from Europe they moved to the High Ashbury neighborhood of San Francisco um, and continued the drug use and, quote, counterculture, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, not clear on what all. I, I mean, of course, the drug use and um, mysticism and things like that would be considered counterculture, but I don't know what else that may have entailed. Um, they were living in an apartment with a roommate um, named Karen Barnes, uh, who has no relation to Susan. She's an aspiring actor. She was an aspiring actor from Georgia. In March 1981, Karen's body was found stabbed 13 times and her skull was crushed and she was wrapped in a blanket hidden in the basement. Um, and when she was found, the Carsons had already gone. I'm not even sure how exactly. There was no reports on how exactly they came to find her, um, but the Carsons were had already been gone by the time that they found her. In 1982, the Carsons fled... Um, and hid in the mountains near Grants Pass, Oregon, a very small town called Alder Point, California, where they lived and worked on a pot farm, of course. Um, that is actually how I found this case, is there is a um, very interesting, I highly recommend it, a very interesting Netflix doc docuseries, sorry, called Murder Mountain. Um, it's very good. And it actually mentioned them. And I was very intrigued because me living in Northern California, I had never heard of this case. And the Murder Mountain case that they were talking about, I had also never heard of, despite my one of my best friends in the whole world was actually living in Humboldt County, which is where this um, happens. She was actually living in Humboldt County at the time that um, the murder that they're talking about in the docuseries, that it came out. Um, and they kind of half-heartedly mentioned this case and, like, flashed a picture of them. And I was very intrigued because I have never heard of these um, these two people before. So I was very, um, very interested in that. And so I kind of dove a little deeper. Um, but back to the story. They lived in Alder Point, California. They lived and worked on a pot farm. Um, and the other people that worked with them on that farm said they were anarchists and were advocating for some kind of impending revolution and nuclear apocalypse. And it was like going to be any time now, according to them. They were very adamant about it. Um, in May 1982, Michael shot and killed Clark Stevens, um, who was a fellow worker on the farm. Apparently, they had some kind of issue um, and they were fighting over something. Uh, not really sure what, you know. I mean, they're not that up there. They're not really uh, that forthcoming. So they were just like, yeah, they were fighting. Not sure why or what or whatever. Um, but anyways, uh, they got into some kind of dispute and they and Clark Stevens disappeared after that. 
he tried getting um michael bear tried getting rid of the body by burning it and burying it under some chicken fertilizer in the woods two weeks later stevens was reported missing to the humboldt county sheriff's department um and when they went to go start searching for him um they found the body in the woods uh humboldt county is in the middle of the redwood forest so it's very vast it's a very dense and so a lot of um suspiciously a lot of people go missing in that area um and so this is kind of a regular thing you know they got a report and they were like okay well let's go look through the woods again and they did and they actually um found him i guess they hadn't hidden him very far into the woods because uh he was found and those woods up there they're pretty they're pretty thick so the carsons had already fled by this time but left behind a manifesto uh calling for the assassination of a few different celebrities and political figures um the only two that the article from hell horror mentioned was ronald reagan and johnny carson i'm not sure what the significance of those two i mean ronald you know counterculture they none of them liked reagan um you know that's that's not really very new but not sure why johnny carson was on the list that's not clear or i and it didn't mention anybody else so you know it's it's hard to draw lines between ronald reagan and johnny carson so uh november 1982 michael was picked up by the police in los angeles uh hitchhiking according to wikipedia Per some police error, which they did not specify, uh, he was released and long gone before humble authorities could get there and question him. Um, and he, when he was let go, he didn't even pick up his belongings. His bag of things that they arrested him with, um, he just left behind in the precinct. Uh, so a mugshot, some address information, and a gun. So that's... He's just all about leaving some shit behind here. Um, 19, January 1983, the Carsons were hitchhiking again and picked up by 30-year-old John Hillier. Um, and he was headed towards Santa Rosa. So they're going up north from Los Angeles to Santa Rosa, which is like in the Central Valley uh, near like Napa area and stuff like that. According to the San Francisco Gate article, Susan decided this man was a witch and had to be killed. On Route 101 in Sonoma County, they got into an argument in the car, um, and the car came to a stop um, on the shoulder of the highway. Michael and John got out of the car and were arguing visibly. You know, the passing motorist could see them out um, arguing about something, and Michael reportedly pulled a gun, and Hellier tried to take it from him. That's when Susan jumped in, approached, and stabbed Hellier. Um, when she stabbed him, Michael took control of the gun and shot him. A passing motorist reported all of this to local authorities. They took Hellier's, uh, Michael and Susan took Hellier's car and were soon in a high-speed chase that ended with them crashing the car and both being arrested. Uh, right before their trial started, they called a press conference to publicly confess to the murders of all three of the victims victims right before their trial started they withdrew it and pled not guilty to all counts which i mean which i mean it's super weird guys (laughs) 
they literally called cameras and were like, yeah, we did it. We totally did it. And then when their trial was starting, they were like, oh, um, just kidding. We didn't. We did not do any of that. So uh, a little contradictory, but hey, that's uh, not my first choice, but that's not me. Okay. June 12th, 1984, the Carsons were convicted of Karen Barnes's murder, in which they received a 25-year sentence. Um, later on that year, they were convicted of Stevens' murder and Hellier's murder, which they each got 25 years for each of those to be conserved consecutive, consecutively. Um, so 25, 25, 25 on top of each other, giving them each 75 years. In a jailhouse press conference while they were incarcerated, the Carsons claimed to be pacifists and vegetarian yoga practitioners um, and had converted to Islam. They claimed they had a mission to exterminate the reason why they were trying to explain away why they were uh, murdering these people, of course. And so they said that they had a mission to exterminate people that they believed to be witches, um, which actually coined them the term the San Francisco Witch Killers, uh, which I had only seen a couple of places, but I mean, I guess that's what they wanted, right? Um, they attempted to justify their crimes by stating Barnes had falsely converted, um, Karen Barnes had falsely converted to their religion and was draining Susan of her powers. Um, and then Clark Stevens had allegedly sexually abused Susan. Um, there was no reports that that was actually true or what had happened. Um, like I said, the... The other people from the pot farm, they never specified what the argument was about, if it was about that or money or something else. Nobody ever said. Um, so it could be that or it could be something else. Um, but basically that he had sexually abused Susan and he had to die because of that. Um, and then Hellier had sexually abused Susan and called her a witch. So I think we're just running out of excuses and we're just going to um, stack them on top of each other at this point um, for the third person. You couldn't find anything better. Makes sense. Um, so Michael is incarcerated currently at Mule Creek State Prison in Ione, California. And at the time of the article was 75 years old. I think that was in 2015. Um, and Susan is at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California, and was 80 years old at the time of her article that they were talking about. They were both, oh yeah, this was in 2015, they were both eligible for a parole in 2015, but uh, they actually canceled in advance, and um, Michael actually sent in a letter stating, no one is going to parole me because I will not and have not renounced my beliefs. So basically, like, I'm not going to stop killing witches, um, and that's just that, so it makes sense. According to Richard D. Reynolds, the author of Cry for War, which is a um, a book that he wrote about this case, this, it's A Cry for War, the story of Susan and Michael Carson, um, they were actually suspected to be involved in nearly a dozen other murders in the U.S. and Europe. And I, other than the brief snippet that referred to this book, I haven't seen anywhere else where they had mentioned that. I'm not sure if that's just because it, they were never convicted or prove, proven or anything like that. Um, but apparently they were suspected to be involved in quite a few other murders, um, especially during their time in Europe, which we don't really know what they were doing or where they were. It was just kind of, um, kind of a mystery. So 
Anyways, well, that's the story of the San Francisco witch killers. I definitely, it was definitely very interesting. I had never heard this, um, and it was kind of a local story to our area, so I was sort of surprised about that. Um, but special note, again, to the docu, the Netflix docuseries uh, Murder Mountain that mentions this case. Um, it is a great docuseries. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, and it's very interesting because it actually is mostly about a different case um, that is, that's very interesting and kind of leads to a few others. Uh, so it's kind of like a whole scandal, um, really a big issue that's happening in that area. It's, it's a super, super good docuseries. I highly recommend it. Please go and watch it if you're into true crime and murder and some of that stuff. It's very, very interesting, um, all the missing people that they have in that area. Uh, it's really quite odd. It's Humboldt County is a really super, super small area. And the fact that they have so, so many people missing is kind of mind-boggling. So it is, it is a crazy, um, crazy thing to watch for sure. Uh, so I would recommend that if you like creepy, weird, crazy stuff. Um, but anyways, that's all I got. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and follow Truly Wicked on Spotify and Stitcher. Still working on Apple Podcasts. Their podcast system has been down lately. Um, I'm able to log in, but I'm not able to actually add any RSS feeds or anything like that to you know, put my episodes on there. So I'm still waiting for that issue to be resolved. So I apologize for that. Um, uh, please rate and review if you like my podcast. And as usual, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and the handle is at trulywickedpod. And you can always, uh, for both of those, it's at trulywickedpod for both Twitter and Instagram. And you can always email stories and ideas and things like that. Things that you want to hear, definitely email me at, um, email ideas to trulywickedpod at gmail.com. Um, but thanks so much. Stay spooky.